Welcome to AM Now, where we bring you the trending accounting matters we're following. I'm your host, Adam Olson, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Harger and Matt Fisser. Each bite-sized episode keeps you and your finance and accounting teams in the know. Join us each week as we unpack these issues, topics, and accounting matters now. You're listening to AM Now, an accounting matters podcast. I'm your host, Adam Olson. And I'm Matt Fisser. This week, we're following matters ranging from the SEC's continued focus on non-GAAP measures to how artificial intelligence is or could be used as part of capital allocation decisions by investors. We'll round things out, highlighting some key takeaways from the recent IFRS Sustainability Symposium, where global stakeholders met to discuss current and future developments of the ISSB and their standards. So let's dive in, starting with what seems like a never-ending discussion we have around registrants, the SEC, and their use of non-GAAP measures. Matt? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Back in 2016, the SEC warned companies that non-GAAP measures may be misleading and could violate its rules. Some common non-GAAP measures we all know and love are EBITDA, adjusted revenue, and adjusted net income. And back in December 2022, the SEC updated its non-GAAP financial measures guidance for more details on what is a possible violation. Although non-GAAP measures are not explicitly prohibited, certain adjustments, like changing from accrual basis to cash basis, may be individually tailored and cause the measures to be misleading. And that is something like shifting revenues and expenses into uh, a different period that fits a company's narrative. Yeah, in fact, this year, the SEC has had quite a few comment letters questioning compliance with question 100.04, which you know focuses on non-GAAP measures. This recent push and increase in comment letters may have companies reviewing their non-GAAP disclosures and ensure that their rationale is thorough before any filings are made, rather than just simply trying to paint an optimistic picture. The most common areas related to non-GAAP disclosure compliance issues centered around presenting the non-GAAP measure with equal or greater prominence of the most directly comparable GAAP financial measure, you know, issues with reconciliation to the most comparable GAAP financial measure, inappropriate adjustments to eliminate or smooth items identified either as non-recurring or infrequent and or unusual, and then inadequate disclosures as well, explaining why management really believes that that non-GAAP presentation actually provides more useful information to investors. Yeah, it's a topic that just seems to not go Never away, dies. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along to other recent news from the FASB front, where FASB Chair Richard Jones said they are monitoring the evolution of how investors use AI to consume data. And this includes tools like ChatGPT and how users of financial statements process data and get important information. And the topic was brought up from Vice Chair Mary Barth as AI is getting a lot of press of late. And in short, it is an ongoing process and the FASB is trying to understand which data is most important and will actually influence capital allocation decisions as part of an investor outreach. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and on the GASB front, Joel Black, chair of the GASB, also addressed electronic reporting. This was in response to the recent passage of the Financial Data Transparency Act by the federal government. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the act, it gives the SEC the requirement to implement a data standard for municipal securities and any reports filed with the Municipal Securities Rulemaking Board. As a result of this act, there may be electronic reporting required now from GASB, and this has really actually been something of interest to GASB and something they've actually been monitoring for quite some time. But as Mr. Black put it, the passage of that act really just helps propel the efforts around it. And to round us out for this week, global sustainability stakeholders met in Montreal last month to convene on the recent developments and what's next for investor-focused sustainability disclosures. 
Following that meeting, the IFRS Foundation highlighted some key takeaways from the event. One of the more significant matters of interest that we'll start with here as a key takeaway is that the ISSB standards are nearing their issuance. As we've covered in past episodes of AM Now, the ISSB finalized the technical content of its first two standards covering, you know, standard one, general requirements, and standard two, around climate. Those standards are now being drafted fully, they'll be submitted for balloting, and are expected to be issued as final in just a few short months. Yeah, and another takeaway was that the SASB standards are a practical tool to implement the first two ISSB standards. For example, the general requirement standard alludes to the SASB standards for consideration of sustainability topics and metrics to disclose in the absence of a specific ISSB standard. In other words, companies that may already be using SASB standards in some capacity will have a head start on applying the standards when issued. Yeah, to add on, the symposium also emphasized that global comparability remains paramount and that the ISB is, you know, reiterated the need to really achieve this global comparability. Keynote speakers at the event highlighted that the ISSB baseline will become a decisive factor in terms of how cross-border capital is actually allocated because it provides for comparable, reliable, and consistent information across all jurisdictions. Speakers were also quick to point out that jurisdictions that choose not to apply the core elements of the ISSB standards will ultimately just kind of create costly challenges for themselves. Yeah. And the last takeaway centered on how capacity building is a critical step to the ISSB's success, especially for smaller companies and emerging markets. During developments of the initial ISSB standards, companies responded that there is a range of preparedness to use the standards and that in particular, smaller companies and those in emerging markets need more support to apply the standard. Recognizing this importance, the ISSB decided to develop application guidance, illustrative guidance, and examples, and to introduce transition reliefs uh, to reduce the burden on companies. These reliefs will include phase-in periods and basic and advanced reporting requirements based on a company's resources, and in other words, the ability to have proportionate requirements. Yeah, that'll be widely received, I'm sure. Yeah. So thanks, Matt, for that. And really, that's it for you know us this week. For a deeper dive into what's trending in accounting and finance, be sure to check out our other podcast on the Accounting Matters feed on your preferred listening platform. Again, I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Matt Fisser. Thanks for listening to AM Now. We'll see you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant subsequent authoritative guidance issued.